Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. We are in a series called Empowered, and we've been talking about the power, the presence, and the person of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we're going to talk about a very confusing element of being empowered. Uh, We're going to talk about what the church has traditionally called spiritual gifts. And it's super confusing. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians that he does not want us, uh, the Lord as well, does not want us to be uninformed. Some translations say, I don't want you to be ignorant. I think that's a negative connotation. A positive connotation would be, I don't want you to be uninformed. You guys should know about this stuff. You guys should live this stuff out. And as we talk through the person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit and what it means to partner with Him in everyday life, these, um, these spiritual gifts are very important and how we live our everyday lives. So we're going to talk about that. And the big idea today is that the stuff that the Spirit does is for everyone. If you don't get anything out of today's talk, if it's just, you know, if you don't get anything, get this, that spiritual gifts, the stuff the Spirit does is for everyone. And all we have to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. You guys don't know that song? What is that? Is that a commercial? I don't know. We're everywhere today. Uh, so we're going to read 1 Corinthians. Let me, let me pray. Uh, let me, let me uh, just invite the Spirit to kind of settle the room a little bit. Does that sound good? We're all excited today. Who had like three cups of coffee today? A few of you. Yeah. I knew it. See, prophetically, I'm using the spiritual gift of prophecy. Holy Spirit, come. Settle the room. Complete the room as you do. We just welcome your presence. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you fill to overflow. We thank you for newness of life in baptism. We thank you for family and that you call us to belong. You call us son. You call us daughter. You welcome us in and you give our lives meaning and purpose We want to be like you, Jesus. Pray that you'd settle the room, Holy Spirit. Just settle the room, we ask. And we pray that there would be things that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Whether we've heard them once or a million times, God, I pray that your word would be fresh to us today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12. It's one of like four or five different passages in the New Testament that refers to these spiritual gifts. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read 1 through 14. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant or uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, 
and the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men and women. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And uh, to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. The body is a unit. Though it's made up of many different parts, and through all its parts are, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of, men, of many. And we could go on from there, but we'll pause. So Paul says he doesn't want us to be uninformed. And what we're going to do this morning in the time we have remaining is we're going to set a framework for this thing that our Bibles tell us are spiritual gifts, which we'll really attack hard on this morning. It's going to be technical at first, so you're going to need to bear with me. But we'll build this framework, and from there we'll ask three questions um, that are surrounding these spiritual gifts and hopefully bring some clarity uh, to this aspect of following Jesus, which is so important. So as we build the framework here, we need to ask the question, how do we read the work of the Spirit? How do we read the work of the Spirit? For the last 50 or 60 years, this is the way that the church, mainly in America, has read this passage and the others like it when referring to these spiritual gifts. Here's what happens. This is the way we've read it only over the past 50 years. Someone comes to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They come to see Jesus as Messiah. And at the point of conversion, or maybe a little bit later at the filling of the Spirit, depending on which teacher you're listening to, can you see it's getting complex already? We're stacking layers. We're stacking. Depending on who, you know, what teacher you're listening to at the time, whether you're filled first or you're filled later, uh, this person coming to faith in Jesus Christ, coming to saving knowledge, being baptized, um, now is given one, or if you're like a superhero X-Men type figure, like maybe multiple spiritual gifts. And these are supernatural abilities to bring about the work of the kingdom of God in your ministry, in your community, um, just abilities that you have. So there's uh, nine that are listed here in 1 Corinthians. There's seven that are listed in Romans 12. There's five in Ephesians 4, and there's a couple more in Peter's letters. And so what, what happens is that these people, and, and this might be your story as well, you come to faith in Jesus, and, and leaders or pastors will take them uh, through the, the life track or the welcome course, and they'll, they'll give a spiritual gift survey. 
You know, um, as part of coming to faith, let's find out. It's like a Myers-Briggs personality test sort of situation. And you go in there and you mark off little check boxes and you find out, hey, I'm really, I might have a gifting for healing or I might be a missionary. Who Go figure. I might uh, have the spiritual gift of stacking chairs or setting up and tearing down. You never know what you'll come out of that meeting with. But these Myers-Briggs type surveys where you mark, are you guys familiar with spiritual gifts surveys? And so we'll set them down, they'll take the test, and they'll come out and they'll be like, sweet, I'm an apostle. <laughs> so the problem here, and they're many-fold, but the problem here is that this is a little bit, a lot of bit, off-kilter from how the church has functioned and seen spiritual gifts, this passage, um, throughout all of history. Throughout like thousands of years, only the last 50 or 60 and only in America do we have this framework when it comes to viewing spiritual gifts. It's off kilter. And here's the reason why it's off kilter. The Greek translation for this word, okay, so let's get a little bit heretical here. If you have your Bible and you turn to 1 Corinthians 12, you might see the topic or the heading listed as gifts of the Spirit. Who has gifts of the Spirit? Anybody? Who, ha- who has spiritual gifts? You got that? Okay. So take a big black sharpie and cross through that heading. Just cross it out. Here's why this is pro- uh, problematic the way that we've read this passage and others like it, is because no one, regardless of what side of the aisle you sit on, if you are Reformed, if you are Lutheran, if you are Presbyterian, if you are Charismatic, Pentecostal, non-denominational, no one, commentators since the time of Jesus, do not know what to do with this word pneumaticos. They don't know where to put it. It's a tough one to translate. And that phrase, spiritual gifts, has led to more confusion and hang-ups within the body of Christ than nearly any word or phrase in the New Testament. Here's why it's tough to translate. This is a a nod to all you um, literature people out there. You grammatical people. You're my people. I love you. And this is why you'll love this is because this word that's been translated spiritual gifts or works of the Spirit is not a phrase. It's one word, and literally it means spirituals or spiritual people. You see, this word pneumaticos is an adjective. It's hard to even get it out to you today because it's an adjective. It's descriptive. It's describing. I can't even say that it's describing something because it's an adjective without a noun. It has no noun. It has no person, place, or thing to call home. It just is descriptive. Pneumaticos. So you can see why this is problematic to transcribe, to translate. Now, the word for gifts in the New Testament is charisma. You guys familiar with that Greek word? Charisma. 
Not once in the New Testament, not once will you find the word pneumaticos in charisma. Not in 1 Corinthians, not in Ephesians, not in 1 Peter, not in Romans. Will you ever find these two words side by side, spirituals and gifts? Never. You won't find it. So here's my framework. Romans 12 is talking about different Um, I don't believe that they're spiritual gifts. I believe that they're natural propensities. Say like, um, if someone's really great at something, like we say to that person, oh, they're they're gifted. That person's gifted. If they write a book and it's amazing and you love the book, you're like, man, that person is really gifted. They can write. It could be engineering. Have you... Have Evan and Angela Hammersmith ever invited you over for dinner? If you've, okay, if you were here on Easter Sunday, how many were here Easter? If you were here Easter Sunday and you had that cinnamon roll with all of the gooeyness, that was a pretty dang near spiritual experience, was it not? Yeah. Yeah. Has Sarah Brusco ever baked cookies for you? The chocolate chip ones that are just the right amount of soft goodness? Oh, that's a spiritual gift, dear. <laughs> the things Paul describes, things like mercy or helps, these types of things, I believe, are natural propensities toward uh, the way that you are wired. The scriptures say that God knit you together in your mother's womb, and he knows how you tick. He knows how you're wired. And these things that Paul lists in Romans 12 12 are simply ways that you're built, ways that you are created. In Ephesians, when Paul talks to the church at Ephesus, he's talking about different types of leaders, prophet, evangelist, pastor, These are simply types of leaders that are functioning in the church to bring about the kingdom of God in that community. And the key word in verse 7 in our passage this morning is phenerosis. It's in verse 7. When Paul says the manifestations, that word manifestation, the Greek word is phenerosis. It means, I love it, it means the unveiling or the revelation. It's like, This lady was sick, and now she's well. That could only be, that's a phenerot, that's a manifest, that could only happen if the finger of God touched there. It's only possible if God intervened. That's the Spirit of God, an unveiling, a revelation of the Spirit of God. So, instead of spiritual gifts, And we're going to get really deeply theological and technical. Are you ready? Here's my definition. You might want to take notes. Instead of spiritual gifts, here it comes. The definition. The stuff the Spirit does. These are the stuff the Spirit does. Did you like that one? So working from that framework, here's why all of this matters. We'll be out of the woods in like two minutes, I promise. I know this is like really technical. Here's why this matters, even if you don't care. You say, that's great. 
And it's great that it matters. I just don't care. Here's what it means. And this is the gold for us this morning. Here's what it means if it's the stuff that the Spirit does. It means that these things, these expressions are open to anyone who follows Jesus. That is huge. That is huge. And that's what the spiritual gifts framework doesn't provide for. For instance, if you go into one of these spiritual gifts surveys and you check all the boxes and you come out and you compare notes with Steve over here and you're like, man, I got serving. Steve gets miraculous powers? You see how this can be problematic? Like, I got, I got set up and tear down and Nancy got healing? Like, come on. Like, Joe gets prophecy? And I get chairs forever? Gosh, God, what gives? So when we read a list like this that Paul provides in 1 Corinthians, we shouldn't read the list and ask, I wonder what gift I have. Rather, we should read it and think, this is the kind of stuff that Jesus wants to do through me through everyday, ordinary people like you and me. This is a list of the things that Jesus and his followers do in their communities. As one of his followers, this stuff, all of it, is open to someone like me. This is all Jesus' stuff. That's how we should read it. The stuff the Spirit does. Okay, you made it. You're out of the woods. Now, the fun part. The questions surrounding spiritual gifts or, from henceforth, the stuff the Spirit does. Here are the questions. Why is there so much confusion about the stuff the Spirit does? Why? Why is there so much confusion around this stuff? The first reason that I've come across is that Satan wants to sow confusion in the church. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan wants to think about it. There is nothing more that the enemy of your soul would love than to sow confusion. There's nothing more that Satan wants than an ineffective church. There's nothing more that Satan desires than a church who cannot cast out demons. There's nothing more that Satan wants than a church who cannot heal the sick. There's nothing more that Satan wants than a church who doesn't see the lost and, say, and see the lost come to Christ. And so, surrounding the stuff that the Spirit does, Satan sows confusion in a number of different ways so that the church becomes ineffective. Why is there so much confusion? Here's a big one. There's so much confusion because in our day and age especially, people will analyze them instead of experiencing them. We live, listen, we live in an age of experts. And it's so unhealthy. All you have to do is scroll through social media and they're like, I mean, any number of videos on TikTok or whatever it is. 
It's all the same. It's like, let me tell you how you can get wealthy in four easy steps. Let me tell you how to have the perfect summer body. Let me tell you because I'm such an expert on this or that. Everyone's an expert at something. And the problem with this is that we approach the stuff the Spirit does like, okay, it's like this. It's like, who's been to Jaworski's Meats? On Pearl Road. Who loves Jaworski's Meats? Yeah, come on. It's the best place on earth. And it's like we approach the stuff the Spirit does, like we approach Jaworski's on a cold winter day when it's really warm, the heater's on inside. You know there's steak in there. You know that that they have steak in there. But there's condensation on the windows. I mean, the, the, the name of the store is right there in big red letters, Jaworski's Meats. You know what they're selling in there. But the heater's on, it's really cold, you know, you got the windshield wipers going as you pull up, and there's all this condensation on the window, you can kind of see people walking around in there, like a, they've got steak in there, I know, but you have not experienced Jaworski's Meats until you buy the ribeye that's been marinated in black nugget marinade. Oh my, who's had that? Yeah, yeah, one person's tracking with me this morning. I mean, it's, it's literally to die for. It's so good. And even aside from the product, you walk in and it's, right, it's got the old style where you take a deli ticket. I mean, who does that anymore? Jaworski's does it. You take a deli ticket and you wait your turn. And you're looking at the meat cases. You're like, I'm, I got my ticket. I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that. And it's amazing, right? But the way, it's the same way with the stuff that the Spirit does, and this is why there's so much confusion, is because we're so easily analyzing without experiencing. Listen, there are folks who have written books on spiritual gifts who have never experienced them before. We're so content to analyze without ever experiencing them for ourselves. So there's confusion about the stuff that the Spirit does because Satan's sowing confusion and because people are trying to analyze them without experiencing them. So, second question, what's the purpose of the stuff that the Spirit does? What does it all mean? What what is the purpose of the stuff that the Spirit does? Well, the first purpose, and the main purpose, and the bedrock purpose, is that we would glorify the triune God. That we would glorify the triune God. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 again. Now, there are varieties of, strike that, stuff the Spirit does by the same Spirit. Take note of that. And there are varieties of ministries and and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the phenerosis, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Spirit, Lord, God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right there for us. And in all of these passages on the stuff the Spirit does, whether it's Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, 1 Peter, it's all to glorify God. This is the stuff the Spirit does through you and me to bring glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? 
that we get to partner with him in that. In 1 Peter, we read this, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Check it. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Here's the example. In the New Testament, four guys bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And Jesus does the stuff that the Spirit does. He says he only does the stuff that he hears and sees the Father doing. And through the power of the Spirit, he lays hands on this guy, and this paralytic gets up and he walks away. Check out what happens in Luke after the story. After the guy gets healed, he got up before them, picked up his mat that he'd been lying on, and he went home glorifying God. And then they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. They were also filled with fear, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. This is what happens when the Spirit is working. When the Spirit is working, people are drawn up to God. People are drawn out of their circumstances. People are drawn toward the person of Jesus to glorify him. When the stuff that the Spirit does is in activity and operation within a church community, more and more people are drawn to the person of Jesus and connect with him. On a side note, tangentially, Sarah and I are really excited about this season in the life of Vineyard Cleveland. Can you feel it? It started a little bit after COVID, and we're in the middle of this season right now. And Sarah and I are really excited to share some more vision of what we sense God doing, but I want, if you don't yet, I want to encourage you to pray and to hunger for the presence of God, the simple thing of the presence of God, because this is an exciting season at Vineyard Cleveland. Cindy knows it. The hungry, the hungry, you see. We're excited because of the activity of the Spirit, He's moving within us. This is His church. He's moving us forward. And we're excited about that. Tangent. These are gifts in the sense that they're like little presents these expressions from God. But it's a little bit less sexy than like, you know, the powerful man of God who has the gift of healing and is always operating in that and, and gets, uh, asks for money in order for people to be healed. Do you know the type? God bless them. But um, I think it's a little bit less sexy than that. I do believe that they are gifts like presents, but we're simply FedEx people. We're like the FedEx person. We're like, here's the thing that God has supplied and sourced, and here it is for you who it's meant for. Drop it off at the door, snap a picture, deuces, I'm out. That's what it's like. We're like the FedEx man or the FedEx woman. That's who we are. And God's designed it that way so that these expressions are not given to us based on merit. You don't get them for doing a job well done. Jesus isn't sitting there in heaven at the right hand of the Father and is like, you know, Jason, you've just done a tremendous job over the past two weeks. So diligent in your Bible study. Great job every day, man. Knocking them out. You know what? 
I think I'm going to give you the gift of healing for the next month. Congratulations. You know, like Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't doing that. And likewise, he's not like um, in the opposite sense. He's like, you know, Nick, dude, come on. You've been slacking on your Bible reading again. Why don't you go ahead and give me that gift of pro- uh, prophecy back, you know? That's not who he is, right? That's not who the Father is. So it's not, nowhere do we see, nowhere do we see these expressions given based on merit. Think of it this way. When you give your kids Christmas presents, you don't do the naughty and nice list with them. Do some of you? You don't, do you? Why do you give them Christmas presents? Because you love them. You love them. And God is the same way. God is the same way. There's no relationship whatsoever, whatsoever, in the whole of Scripture between an expression of the Holy Spirit that's given to someone by God and that person's level of spiritual maturity. Nowhere do we see that. In other words, you could feel about yourself that you are the least likely person to operate in the gift of healing and be used of God to usher in his kingdom to others. Isn't that freeing to know that these expressions aren't based on spiritual maturity? That's really freeing for somebody like me. The only condition that we're given, check it, the only condition that we're given is that we want them. And we ask for them. Paul says, eagerly desire. Eagerly desire these expressions of the Holy Spirit. That's the only condition. It's not on how many, how many hours you have in study. It's not by how many Sundays you show up in a row. Aren't you glad that all you have to do is ask to desire these things? These expressions of the Holy Spirit? And he's sovereign. God is sovereign. He gives to whomever he pleases. But I found in my journey that the more I ask, the more I receive. The more I ask, the more I receive. Okay, lastly on the purpose of the stuff the Spirit does, uh, the second purpose is to build up the body of Christ. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. Sometimes certain expressions in churches are shut down. They're suppressed. And when that happens, some people feel like they don't fit in or they don't belong. On the other hand, when these expressions are released in a church, people feel like they're needed, like, they're, like they belong there. The early church context was different. They'd meet in people's homes, a group of 20 to 30. It's a smaller context. And Paul says that when that happened, when that gathering of people happened, that everybody had something to contribute. Here at the Vineyard, we want the same thing. Everyone has something, everybody gets to play. Everyone has a gift or the capability of expressing the stuff that the Spirit does. And we encourage all of our small groups, when we're not doing big small group, we encourage all of our small groups to let that be a place where this stuff is expressed freely, where we're growing in that. It's only a dispensational viewpoint that says that this stuff which we find nowhere in the Bible, 
that this stuff had died out with the canonization of Scripture or the dying of the last apostle. You will not find that anywhere. Paul does not write like, hey, church in Cleveland, 2,000 years from now, I just want to let you know, all this stuff about miracles, about physical healing, words of prophecy, wisdom and knowledge, uh, speaking in tongues, that was, that's just for us. You won't find it in Titus you won't find it in 1 Peter, Jude, or Revelation. There's no instruction that says, hey, just so you guys know, church, 2,000 years later, you're not going to have any of these things. It's only for us. Like, how cruel would that be? If all of this stuff that the Spirit does wasn't available to people like you and me, what are we? Are we even the church at that point? No. Last question, and then we're out. Why do we seek these expressions from God? Why do we seek these expressions from God? The first, or why don't we? Why don't we seek, sorry. The first reason we don't seek these expressions from God is because we've had some kind of disappointment surrounding them. Maybe you've lost a loved one after believing and praying for their healing. Maybe you've been asked to receive, maybe you've asked to receive the gift of tongues and never felt like you've received it. Maybe you've tried to prophesy and it just kind of fell flat or it flopped. Maybe you've been praying to get pregnant and nothing has happened. Let me tell you and encourage you this morning, you're in really great company. Because everybody comes to a sense of disappointment with God at some point in their journey. Everyone. And when you try to move in the power of God, you will have to deal with the failure all the time. You and I will never be successful in moving toward the power of God unless we learn together how to deal with failure. And when you seek to move in spiritual gifts or the stuff that the Spirit does, it's not really about you. It's about God and partnering with Him. Because you know, as well as I do, what we've been saying here and trying to live out is that sometimes we see God break in and sometimes we don't. And that's not called failure. That's called living intention. So my encouragement is to not give up. You guys, don't give up. If you're trying this stuff out, if you're praying for your coworkers, if you're laying a hand on your... Um, on your mom, praying for healing, physical healing for her. If you're trying to get pregnant and nothing has happened, any of these things that you're trying to move in, my encouragement is not to give up. Keep trying. It's not failure. It's living intention. Why don't we seek these expressions from God? Secondly, personal, discom personal discomfort. Some of you it's not that these things are unbiblical or that like God doesn't do them. It's simply that you're uncomfortable with some of the supernatural signs and wonders. It's just like, eh, I don't know. That could be for a number of different reasons. It could be because of former trauma associated with these things. Because you felt like you've lost control. But God can and wants us to use these expressions as part of his body to help build trust so that we can release control to him. God wants us to trust him in everything. Even right now, the Holy Spirit is inviting you to take a risk and to trust him, to trust him here. 
Why don't we seek these expressions from God? Lastly, you guys almost made it. You're almost there. We've had distorted teaching about these things in the past. This is a biggie. Maybe you grew up in a Pentecostal church that taught that if you didn't receive the gift of tongues, that you weren't filled with the Spirit. Maybe you experienced prophecy and it was, it was false. It was, it was flaky. Maybe you've been in circles where the environment is hyper-emotional and demonstrative to the point that there's nothing wrong. Musician, I'm like emo. I'm like type four on the Enneagram. I'm a feeler. I like to feel. I can feel the room right now. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's to the point where it's turned you off. And you're like, if that's, what, if that's the stuff that the Spirit does, then I don't want anything to do with it. Or maybe you came from the other side of the spectrum where you were told if you opened yourself up to any of these expressions of the Holy Spirit, like um, prophecy or speaking in tongues or the gift of healing or any of those things, that you were inviting demons in. Anybody familiar with that one? Maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum right there and you've drawn back because of that. You've drawn back from the expression of the gift of the Spirit. The proper response to the misuse of these things is the proper use of these things. It's the only proper response. Study what the Bible has to actually say and teach about these expressions and ask God to show you what the truth really is. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you just have to renounce faulty teaching and ask God to break its power off of you. And just say, I'm not going to let that hold me back from experiencing all that God has from me. Ask God to reveal the truth. And some of you need to do that right now. Whatever has come before, whatever former trauma is associated with these Phenerosis, these pneumaticos, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and bad teaching has got in there surrounding them. I want to encourage you to engage with that with your Father who loves you very much. And the result, the effect of these, if it's God, it will never lead you to a place where you feel... Um, further from him. Some, a prophetic word may be tough for you to hear. Tim and I were talking about this this week. It may be tough for you to hear in the moment, but if it's from God, it'll always lead to goodness. It'll always lead to deeper revelation of who Jesus is. It'll always lead to deeper peace, shalom, wholeness, deeper joy in him. So I want to encourage you to engage with that now, to step into that, to, you know, break some of that faulty teaching off as it regards the gifts of the Spirit or the stuff that the Spirit does. Why don't you join me in standing? There's three postures here that I believe are happening in our church right now. The one posture is one that is actively seeking. You're like, empowered. Yeah, I love this series. I'm hungry. Anything, God, you want to give me, that's great. 
Another posture is that you're open, but you're not active. You're like, yeah, empowered, great. I've been here before, heard this before, but I'm not really active in these things. And then there's another segment that's closed. You're just like, hmm, I have trauma associated with this. I don't want to deal with this. All three groups, I want to encourage you to receive some prayer this morning. If you're actively pursuing the expressions of the Holy Spirit, you need encouragement to keep going and don't give up. Dig deeper. Pray for others. Like, don't give up. If you're open but you're not active yet, you need prayer to, like, finally step. Rick Peach had a word last week. I think it's still good this morning, maybe even more so, that you need to step, like take a step into that, whatever it is for you. And those who are closed off to this, you need prayer just to, just to open yourself to what God might want to say in that space.